0: So I want to introduce Steve Garfield, who has been uh, really breaking new ground in the the whole video blogging world and uh, things we call multimedia, or used to. And he's going to lead a session now on uh, not about video blogging per se, but about how we think about uh, audio, video, and other things in the context of citizen journalism, and uh, I'll let him explain more what his thoughts are. But uh, he has some introductory material, and then uh, we'll jump right into the conversation. So, Steve, thanks.
1: All right. Very good. Thank you. Everybody can hear me back there? Yep. Hey, Raines. Uh, My name's Steve Garfield uh, from stevegarfield.com, And this this is my website over here. You can check that out at your leisure. Um, I have some interesting things on there. If you want to learn about video blogging, um, let me scroll down a little bit. Oh, so right here there's a link, learn all about video blogging. So if you're interested in video blogging, you want to learn, you want to look at video blogs, get a sense for what people are doing with video blogs, go there, it shows you, you know, my favorite, like, eleven video blogs. You can see what people are doing, and then there's all kinds of links on how to start video blogging yourself. So we're going to be over here, and so the question Dan wanted me to cover, and we'll... uh, I'll go through a brief introduction, and then we'll talk about how can we use multimedia to create better citizen journalism. And before we talk about it, I want to go look at what does this word multimedia mean? So I went over to Answers.com, and Answers.com is interesting because it has all these different definitions of multimedia that I can pick from. And the one that I picked was the one from Wikipedia, which says multimedia is the use of several different media. So you have text, audio, graphics, animation, video, and this new word in here, interactivity, which I think is gonna become the the very important word in in this online uh, journalism. So, next we want to, well, we don't really want to define citizen journalism because we'd be here all day, but I have someone up here that's going to help us define citizen journalism. How, does any, can you see who that is right there? Does anybody know? No, You'll, you'll see in a second. So, um, community uh, CCTV in Cambridge, the public access station, uh, Jason Crow got a bunch of students to do a project together, and it's about citizen journalism. And that's going to be premiering this week. And he has a little excerpt out on the web to define citizen journalism. So I took a couple clips out of it because it's CC licensed. And let's just. What's that?
2: Well, no, it's going to
1: be uh, right in the middle. <laughs> No, they haven't shut down this printing press for good yet. Gutenberg is still alive, you know and in fact, in just a few minutes, this press will be cranking out tonight's edition of the San Mateo Times. But there are some futurists who say that the days are numbered for the printing press, and that increasingly our journalism will be delivered electronically and not on paper. Today, we'll venture into the new world of digital journalism. Citizen journalism
3: is usually defined as journalism that is done by non-journalists. I think the, the most interesting sort of one-liner I've heard on it is that it's people people who are non-journalists committing random acts of journalism.
4: So citizen journalism can include anything from people doing their own reporting by picking up a camera, by picking up a pencil and pencil, and writing stories on the blog. Through commentary, through analysis, it's basically the idea that the readers are now participating in the authoring of the content as well. If you cover a meeting and you write about
0: the meeting and the result is that something changes, all of a sudden you feel like you are not uh, insignificant in the world.
1: You can go check that out, projectdocumentary.blogspot.com. And um, on Thursday, it's going to be previewing in, in Cambridge, and then it's going to be on the web after that. Project Projectdocumentary.com. <laughs> so if you're familiar with the sci-fi classic movie, Soylent Green, Charl- Charlton Heston did not say this, but I think it, bas- after listening to that, citizen journalism is people. That's what those three people just said. So I think now's an appropriate time for me to do a little citizen journalism and, and, and get this, this recorded. Mm-hmm. So uh, here we go, first we'll get a, let's do this, we'll get a, this is a uh, regular still camera. And so this is how easy it is to do citizen journalism with video. I do a lot of my videos with this camera and a lot of people don't know that this camera can take audio and video. So let's just start right here. Let's say hey everybody. Hey. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> And then we'll come over here and say, Citizen journalism is people! <laughs> <Huh>? journalism <laughs> is people. So there we go. So that's, that's my video. And actually, when we're doing the Q&A, I could upload it to the web because the video is now on this flashcard. And then um, what I do, just to show you how I do that, I take this flashcard reader, which is like 10 bucks, uh, and I plug this into the Mac, and I plug this in, and then upload it to my host, which happens to be HipCast. I work for them. And then your video is on the web and posted to a blog. I mean, I could show that to people at the end if if you're interested. So citizen journalism journalism is people. Now we go into our next show. Where in the world is people's media? Let's take a look. Um, So the thing that I'm most involved in is video blogs. And Jay Dedman, who started video blogging in 2004... Around, around June. That's when I started doing it. He's been um, doing videos of his life. And what he does is he has a little camera like this, and he takes little clips of his life, and he calls them moments showing. So instead of editing a whole story together, these little moments that he records and posts to the web, when looked at as a whole, that's the story of his life. So that's how he uh, goes about it. And he covered Josh Wolf, who's a video blogger, who was just put in jail for refusing to uh, give his uh, video coverage of uh, riots in California to the su- Supreme Court. Grand jury. Grand jury. So he- this is just a short excerpt of what Jay covered. who runs the Guerrilla News Network, just put it up on both the Guerrilla News Network on his blog there, as well as
5: Shooting War, which is a graphic comic that he's working on.
6: We just got done with the the press conference that Josh is Wolf did, and right next to us is a press conference for Barry Bonds, and that's who the big press care about.
3: Well, it's summer vacation, and summer vacation is for any mother of young children.
1: So this is the op- open source. It's a radio show with Christopher Leiden.
6: the kids and um, doing things.
1: Uh... And so it's on the radio and it's a podcast. And what's interesting about this is that prior to his show, he puts the idea of what the show is going to be about on the web and people can interact and post and you know talk to him on the blog about what the episode is going to be about. They can also send in audio to... Uh, to the to his show, and so what he does is sometimes he incorporates that audio, and sometimes after the show,
3: families who are seeking refuge from Haifa or Tiberius or Nauria or one of the northern um, northern parts of the country.
1: So after the show, he'll upload audio for people who he didn't include in the show. So that's before the show, during the show, and after the show. So the story isn't isn't dead or complete; it's just ongoing. I think that's cool. Next, Global Voices, which we talked about, and we have um, blog content from around the world being aggregated, and they also have a podcast.
3: July third, two 2006. At the Global Voices website, we write. Over here at the Global Voices show, we talk. Sometimes we sing. We laugh, and the day we find something to cry about... You can bet we'll do that, too, as we compile excerpts from podcasts originating in the four corners of the globe. I'm Georgia Popplewell, the Global Voices editor for the Caribbean, coming to you from Trinidad and Tobago. And
1: Okay, very cool. And then next up we have YouTube, which a lot of people are using. And in in this example, I don't know if I have audio. No, no audio, but... um, So people are sending in video clips because they've made it easy for people to figure out how to get audio on the web. So that's very cool. And then one thing that's really groundbreaking that, like, I've been doing this video blogging for two and a half years, and we haven't really had a way to respond with video, to to video. And what YouTube has is this little link right here, post a video response. So you can have this main video, and then you can go onto YouTube and record your own, and write associated with that post is your response and then someone else's response. And there's a video conversation going on, and I haven't really seen that anywhere else, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, Next up, this is a blog by a friend of mine, Chuck Olson, from Minnesota. It's called Minnesota Stories. So Monday through Friday, it's a new video of a Minnesota story. So like um, Lisa's H2O town, where it's all about the town. This is about Minnesota, and it's a daily video blog. Very cool. MinnesotaStories.com. Actually, all the, all these links are on on my blog. Um, Is there any it, way you can get? It both uh, no, to- sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you go to SteveGarfield.com, up on tangent, my blog that has all the links. And okay, so. Now CNN sees the value of citizens' media, so now they have this new thing called Send In an iReport, and they're trying to make it easy, too, and you just fill in your information, and then you can send in a photo, video, or audio, and they give you a file size, and you'll send it in, and they'll be happy to use your stories. Just last week, AOL came up with their site, Uncut Video, and they call it See it, shoot it, share it. And there's their video release, so you'll want to read that. One thing that video bloggers want to do is we're trying to figure out these video releases, and that's one thing that you have to look at when you upload your video or audio or whatever content to one of these sites, see what, kind of, see what you're signing away. Uh, and then I just have two more things. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Zay Frank In New York. He's at Z E F R A N K dot com. And he has this thing called The Show. So he's doing it daily. He sits in front of his MacBook with his eyesight camera and he does a show. It's really funny. He talks about news. And the thing that's very kind of groundbreaking on this is that it's it's all about participation. And he's thinking of different ways that the people who watch his videos can participate with him in the creation of his show. So he has co- comments just like uh, regular blogs do. And then um, he, he wants you to upload things. Let me just go to the next page. It shows you some of the things that he has. Um, so he had people write his Friday show for him on a wiki, which is appropriate since we're here. Um, so the... He had thousands of people edit together a uh, three-minute show for him on the wiki. And then he deci- after that experiment, the next time he decided to have them, instead of writing the whole show, have the people try and write, like, a little segment. <laughs> so he does that. He has people upload um, videos, photos, songs. And then he'll use that in the show and show them. And it's this whole participatory thing going on. So. Sandwiches. Right? Earth sandwich is one thing he did. He had people upload a, a photo and a GPS coordinate of a piece of bread on the <laughs> ground, and he wanted to make an earth sandwich. So what you had to do is find the opposite GPS coordinate and put a piece of bread on the ground. If you did that, you would have made an earth sandwich. Approximations are allowed. And if you search through, through a site, um, What's exciting about that is some video bloggers who were doing this travel show in, like, Brazil or somewhere went a day and a half out of their way to get to a GPS (laughs) coordinate and put a piece of bread on the ground and make the first Earth sandwich. They had a whole video about it. So that was really great. And then we just earlier talked about this chicagocrime.org. You know, taking information that exists and making it more easily accessible. So all the data of where the crimes were happening in Chicago, and I just searched by handgun. Here's the data integrated with the Google map. So that's this multimedia thing that you know, the new newspaper might not have enough time to do, but just someone who wanted to do it for fun did. So before, during, and after participating with feedback updates and analysis. So let's open it up. How can we use multimedia to create better citizen journalism? The mic. and I'll just switch this over. There you go. Um, let's just o- open it up to what if people want to comment, talk.
7: Yeah,
5: a, a really good tool for this is Serious Magic. And they have a thing called Visual Communicator 2. And it's, it's not cheap. If you get the top of the line, it's a little over 400 bucks. But it's all drag and drop. Uh, you don't have to know anything about editing or anything else. It's pretty simple to use. Your computer becomes a little teleprompter for you. And I do the same thing with this little camera like, you know, you do. And can you, can you repeat the name of that? It's called Serious Magic com is the company and then I use Visual Communicator 2 it's all drag and drop and um, y- you type in your script you drag your photos next to your script basically you plug in a microphone talk into it and within an hour pretty much you can put together a, f- a couple minute uh, thing which platforms
8: is it on? Is it just on PCs or PCs it's and It's just a Mac? PC.
5: Yeah, you have yeah. to download the software, you know, and then it's on a PC. You
8: can't use it on Mac, sir. I,
5: I think they were going to do it on Mac, but maybe not on Mac yet. Yeah, they should look open. at this room.
8: Hmm? Yeah.
5: yeah. It's not out on Mac yet.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, given the market share in here, does anyone know of a similar uh, application for the Mac? Run it in parallels.
1: Hmm?
8: Run it in parallels, yeah. <laughs> <but>
9: if- <laughs> oh, right. Somebody say boot camp. Hi. Um, Dan Kennedy from Northeastern University. I, I have a couple of question, comments about um, video blogging versus local access. And maybe versus is the wrong word. But um, I, I'm wondering whether you see video blogging supplanting local access or do you see it as a supplement? And, and sort of in line with that... Um, there have been some regulatory proposals that would basically allow the cable companies to no longer have to provide local access. And I'm wondering if there's a possibility that um, video blogging becomes, not that it's your fault, but it becomes an excuse for, uh, for regulators to say, well, we don't need local access channels anymore because everything's going to the Internet.
1: Are are there local access people in the room that want to talk about that? Yep. Oh, a Colin. Okay. Yeah. No. I I think I think you're right in what you say. Um, and a lot of the local public access stations are are getting heavily into video blogging. It gives them you know an audience that's that's worldwide and and kind of protects them from from that the funding going away. So they have. A way to, to get their content out there, and a lot of them are, are doing video blogging classes. So, for example, at CCTV in Cambridge, you know, I taught a video blogging class, um, and so they're ramping up.
9: Well, what about the flip side of that in terms of the the um, the cable companies? This may make it easier for the cable companies to win their goal of no longer having to provide uh, the
8: local access channel. I'd like I just like to jump in here and say I. I don't think they care enough about... I I think that the big cable companies, Time Warner and so forth, are so busy just trying to get that deregulation to happen and unburden themselves of of local responsibility that they don't really even need us to help them do that. But, yeah.
10: Yeah, I just just want to echo the sentiment uh, that was just said. I I don't think the cable companies um, really think the video bloggers are doing much to... Um, help them supplant the regulation that's already in place. But I guess I wanted to uh, just comment briefly uh, because we're going to actually talk a little bit later. But uh, what community access centers, uh, public television centers are trying to do is is take their infrastructure, which already exists, the the public television channels and use that as the sort of uh, one-to-many piece of the citizen journalism um, you know, equation. So in the process of fighting this legislation that's going down, we've actually uh, utilized video blogging and participatory culture tools to help fight this fight. And so I think um, if we don't really think about the infrastructure that's already been built in protecting that beachfront property, um, we'll lose a really valuable resource. And I think video bloggers and people like you can help us do that.
1: Uh, one thing that uh, Dan just mentioned to me that, that we talked about that I didn't talk about in the presentation was that um, some new newspapers will say, Here, here's uh, you know an audio account, go, go take your story that you just wrote and then you know, read it and put it on the web, and now we're doing audio. But um, I think that, that audio and video can, can add to a story versus just making the reporter Duplicate what they just did they, they can do a lot more and they they can get um, interviews with people that are um, in addition to the let's say the printed story that was in the newspaper or video that was that adds value to the the article so I think there's a lot of value that, that can be added when we add audio and video to to uh, these news news coverage yep oh, there's one here. oh right here you know
3: uh, I just want to to say how incredibly um, vital local access is to what I do, I cover all of our town council meetings via TiVo. Um, you know, so I just I just record the local access cable feed, and if we lost that, it would be horrible. Um, going back to the previous session, one thing that would be really great for news gathering is. Right now, our local access folks only go out to the town council meetings. But if there was some little device that made it incredibly drop dead easy to just turn it on and um, make all of the public meetings really public, um, that would be really um, fabulous. And actually, you know, in terms of in terms of video, what I've been doing is just doing screen captures of little clips of our town council meetings, sort of the Daily Show moments. And um, it's by far the most popular thing on the blog is essentially watching the town councilors fight, which just, uh, you just can't get to it in text. you really can't.:
6: Sorry, I didn't respond earlier because I, I didn't hear the question from Dan uh, Kennedy. So I um, actually uh, try to make this really quick. Um, I think it's more important than ever, particularly with this conference, for citizen journalism folks. Uh, like, every, like people in this room, and building on what Lisa said, for uh, public access folks and citizen media folks to be working together. I mean, tapping into, I mean, citizen journalism, you should, this public access is what it is, that is citizen journalism. So it's like, in particular, because of the threat to PEG access, um, not even getting into the issue of net neutrality. Um, you know, public access centers are are having to think about now, as Jason said, uh, moving into an era of digital distribution. And at the Alliance for Community Media conference in Boston, uh, this was, you know, front and center um, as, you know, really the means of survival for public access in the future because of the threats to the big, from the big telecos and cable companies. So, and just one quick example, I, t- I spoke with somebody... Uh, from an access center in Kansas who <coughs> looks like because of legislation that's being passed in their state, um, they're going to be forced, um, because they're losing their funding, to probably shut down their access center. It's the only access center in the entire state. And they, uh, this person and the folks from the access center came to the conference particularly, because of this new emphasis on digital distribution, as a way to continue to uh, continue to share the stories that are happening in the community, um, you know. So I think that it's again more than ever. I think these two camps need to find ways to work with each other and uh, to tap into resources that are there because it's really really exciting opportunities
4: could happen. So.
1: Yep. Up back.
4: Um, i want to echo what colin said uh, and also to say that um in regarding the i think this is dan kennedy is that right yeah what you said at the beginning um, the same bills like barton cope that are that are up at the federal level right now that that are uh, you know would have the effect of grievously injuring cable access will also grievously injure the the, the vlog community and this entire community i mean by uh, you know, through through uh, you know, not enabling net neutrality, essentially killing the internet. I mean, this I don't think that's an overstatement, uh, and th- therefore denying a lot of us of a lot of audience, which then defeats the whole purpose of what we're trying to do. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, people should really pay attention to this stuff if you haven't already. Uh, and I don't think that, that the big bills are going to pass this year. We're, a lot of us watching it don't think that, but they're just going to keep coming back and back and back at it and, until them being the, the big corporations, Colin mentioned, until they get what they want. So it, it's incumbent on people to join you know, the Democratic media movement. Yeah.
11: Yeah. Um, I think the thing is what we're seeing is there, there, first of all, there are two parts to this, the multimedia. One is the long recording of something, the C-SPAN equivalent, which is the way in which you're able to listen to a city council or something. And the other is getting out the the clip that has the interesting thing, which is watching, you know, John Stewart on Crossfire and being watched by millions of people when you get the right thing. And um, we have that second part, that once somebody edits down to the right part, we now have distribution. But the problem and what we're losing with the with the citizen media is we're losing people who know how to use the equipment that's expensive. Think of how many thousands of dollars of equipment are being used just to record this this event right now in this room. I count, you know, a few hundred dollars here, a few hundred dollars there. You're wearing, what, a $400 transmitter with receiver and stuff like that. Knowing how to get good sound, the geeks who know how to do that, so that you can then listen to it and then for anything long, that's tough. You know, getting good sound of one on one when you're in their face, it's okay, but not. I mean, we're learning this in the, the podcasting movement. And that whole thing, that equipment, that being available on the. Uh, so we can get the basic recordings that we can then edit down to become do the stuff we want for anything that involves voice. Video, I think we've got. I mean, I think we've got the, the, the visual. If there's something happening, we'll put up with an awful lot of problems in the video. As long as you get a good idea of it, you know. Uh, We've learned that with with the disasters and stuff like that. But I think audio is a thing we really have to, to figure out and get the funding right for that so we don't lose it.
1: Okay.
7: Um, I want to, to mention a couple things. First, um, part of it is education, and one of the groups working on that is actually related to Jay Dedman and Ryan, um, and that's Node 101, and you can find out more information at Node 101. Basically, they set up centers around the country to help educate people about video blogging. Um, there's actually a Boston chapter called Boston Media Makers. Um, it's bostonmediamakers.wordpress.com, and there are two events coming up. One is the Node 101 Worldwide Weekend, um, August 11th through the 13th basically they're trying to coordinate something around the world to celebrate vloggers and educating um, other folks and then there's PodCamp happening here in Boston September 9th and the 10th at Bunker Hill Community College um, it's, it's an ad hoc conference um, based on BarCamp and that's going to be here and um, mm-hmm. finally some of the technology actually needs to improve there's a tool called uh, QT Broadcaster the QuickTime Broadcaster which allows for live media event streaming Um, but the infrastructure is not there to actually support that and make that readily available. There's a tool that um, uh, Adobe makes um, called Breeze, which is Boku bucks and is impossible to set up. We need a lot more open source tools like that. Um, and, And we've been working on some of those things. And finally, in terms of educating about podcasting and audio quality doug Kay at it conversations actually does a lot of that work and um, i've been in conversations with him he was actually going to help us out at uh, bar camp san francisco and finally the podcast network um, tpn i think they're they might be based out of australia is also interested in education and stuff and they're going to be helping out with bar camp earth happening at the end of august um, in terms of training us how to set up audio so that we can record things well and, and broadcast that live uh, Chris, what was it that August 11th to 13th? I just uh, that's uh, Node 101 weekend, so it's it's more information is at node101.org. Okay,
1: I, I think that's that's interesting what you said about QuickTime Broadcaster because um, a lot of what we do is record something and then we have to bring it onto our computer and upload it or edit it, and it, it could take a month or take time. And like with WikiMania, I was just at home watching the sessions, and it was really great. So for citizen journalists, if there was a way to kind of hook into Wi-Fi where you are and start broadcasting with something like, you mentioned, QuickTime Broadcaster, and have it, you know, go to a place and get broadcast and archived, I think that's something that I would do, would like to see. Oh, I want to... Can you give him the mic?
7: Um, recently, we, we had a party um, called the the Valley... Was it? the Valley Swag party I think and oh, yeah. the the Valley Swag Hodown or whatever anyways the the point is I took a MacBook right which has the iSight camera in it yeah. I had QT broadcaster I hooked it up to Joe Ito's server which was in Japan and I was broadcasting video live from the event walking around everybody holding this laptop in people's faces saying hi to the internet and they were you know, allowing people remotely to, to be involved. On top of that, they were able to get into IRC and actually ask questions of the people who were in front of the camera so they could talk back. And in addition, um, at the first bar camp, we made it possible for people to call in via Skype or via an 800 number um, from freeconference.com so they could participate in a session that was going on at the time. So remote participation in an event that's happening, I think, is also something that's very valuable, and it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to do that. And so we just need workflows that describe the methodologies and tools um, that are low-cost, that are already available, that are actually crowdsourced, in a sense, so you don't have to worry about those $400 mics and stuff because, you know, your buddy's in a band, and he's got a lot of that equipment anyways.
1: And and so one one thing for that, like... um OurMedia.org, which allows free hosting of video. I think what there needs to be is a free server situation for the, this live streaming. Because you had Joey, Joey Ito that... Actually in Sudbury on the Internet 2 backbone. Can you put... Can you, I can't, I'm sorry, can you give him the
7: mic? So we're actually we're setting up a server like that in Sudbury, Canada, um, that's on the Internet2 backbone, to stream all the video during Barcamp Camp Earth. So every one that's, that's happening, I mean, we've got bar camps happening in India and, and uh, New York and San Francisco and um, Japan, and there's 20 different locations. Anyways, they're all going to be streaming video to each other through one server that we're setting up. So absolutely, not just, we don't just need these static repositories like our media, but we need to be able to stream it in real time, like they've got in Korea, where, you know, Oh My News shifted the election because people are on the streets broadcasting
12: stuff from their cell phones.
0: Right. <coughs> here.
12: Um, hi, my name is Alek Tarkowski. I'm a coordinator of Creative Commons in Poland and a sociologist. And um, I'm sorry my comment might be a bit disruptive in a way that will be a bit critical, so I apologize in advance. But I'm growing slightly uneasy over time sitting here and I can only explain myself that I will be t- t- talking about multimedia and better citizen journalism, I hope. Well, um, my first thought is that we're getting into, and it's obvious, and I don't want to start a discussion what citizen journalism is, but the boundaries between concepts are blurring, and you know, the, the way, like, wisdom is not knowledge. I don't think v-blogging is necessarily citizen journalism. I feel that what you did, like, hello to the camera, and and a quote, it's a lot of things, it might be participatory, it's multimedia, but it's not journalism. And um, there's nothing wrong with that going on the web, but there was no news behind it, really. It's it's like, you know, how in communication you have some things that only establish communication but don't really convey a message. Um, so what I'm trying to say, this also ties into what um, Ethan said and what you, Dan, right, said about the cost of equipment. Um, when you ask me whether multimedia make better journalism, a lot of the time not, and I think we should... Focus, like I obs- I'm not a v blogger, I, I sometimes look at it because I, I study internet use as a PhD student in sociology. And my feeling is v bloggers, I'm sorry, I might not be fair, but it, to me it's often more about the tools, more about the excitement um, than it is about other things. And now participatory culture is great, I'm very interested in that, but it's often not journalism. Um, um, I'm sorry if I'm rambling a bit, um, but um, so for instance, I was r- recently at the ICE summit in Rio, and first of all, it got photographed, almost everything got filmed, and it's really hard what's going to happen to it. It's going to be on some server, but it's still not journalism. Right? And the second interesting bit was Cory of saying that the bis- best thing that happens when um, NGOs joined WIPO meetings is that they started taking notes and publishing them as emails on the A2K list. Right? They could have been photographing it, um, putting it on Flickr with tags, maybe filming it all, maybe we have the capacity, but he says it's enough to have those simple text uh, messages and they change a lot. So last thing, um, I'm from Poland. We have some problems with gay rights in Poland. We have problems organize, organizing gay parades. They're called equality parades because we're still dealing with equality. Gays can't be proud in Poland, yet it's too difficult. And, and okay, so what would be citizen journalism like? I, I have a camera. It can take photos and video. I could go there and take a lot of photos, and people do that. They put it on a lot of pages. It doesn't get aggregated because they don't really know about tagging. But they only serve mainly as as just nice thing to peruse. Um, I I could what I'm trying to say is for that to be journalism, I I probably would need to get accredited. I need to talk with people, talk with both participants. You know where I'm getting at? It's hard work. Um, this is maybe the 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 um, the notes that are being taken is, is the best journalism coming out of this event, but it'll probably be uh, better. But I'm missing about someone... two
8: thirds what you're saying, and I forgive me. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, but.
12: If someone sat down and went over them and rewrote them, because they would be even more easy. I think that that we should talk, think more about people and about jobs that need to be done. And a lot of them aren't pleasant. There are things like translating, collating, editing. Um, it's a lot more fun to make a video, but um, okay, sorry. And <laughs> I, I I know I went a lot of a lot of things, but it was just like jumping in my head by now. Okay,
1: great. Does <laughs> this, this someone? Yep.
5: I've been thinking. You know, Steve mentioned iSpot and what's is the other one? Jump, jump edit. What? Uh, jump cut. Jump cut. I use. I, I've looked at iSpot. I've been thinking because after that Chevy Tahoe ad thing came together, it was the same kind of technology. I don't know how many of you seen it. They put up little clips and you could move them around and you could turn into Chevy Tahoe ad. And peep, the environmentalist co-opted it and made it great, great documentary kind of stuff. So, I'm thinking if you had absolutely no resources except access to a computer with a broadband, you could go to Flickr, you could go to any place, you could go to YouTube or Our Media, any place that has a Creative Commons kind of license, and then you use iSpot, and iSpot again is a similar kind of thing, and for those of you who haven't used it, it's drag and drop. You could go and create, I think, I haven't tried it, I'm wanting to do this. Use all of that stuff that's out there and create tremendous documentaries. Because there's a lot of footage now, there's a lot of pictures, you know, there's a lot of um, sound that you can sort of pick up in the common in in the Creative Commons. And I think people could create really exceptional kind of documentaries with zero resources. You could go into a library, do all of this kind of work in a library, and put together these sort of ad hoc kind of documentaries on whatever topic you wanted to.
2: Okay,
1: can you wait for the mic?
12: Well, I, what I said, I just think it's not every topic, and that's the problem. Um, there are fun topics and not fun topics, and then there are, like, hidden topics that involve, I don't know, investigative journalism or, you know, you show the picture from Beirut, right? Probably someone took it from there. Rooftop or balcony, but then you have journalists getting not f- one kilometer away, but hundred meters and that involves getting all under fire and and things like that and I like what you said that about collating stuff and curating and I think you're right that there's a lot of work that can be done With just reusing what's there, but the problem is not a lot of subjects aren't there Okay, so we'll,
1: we'll go to the back. So this is what I want to say about that um so I took that little video here, and it's me, you know, having fun at, at this conference. And I'm going to post that up on the web, and I'm going to give that a tag. And everybody else here is writing, and they're putting photos up there. So these are little moments showing from this conference. And then someone like you could take those moments and write a story with that raw material. So, you know, I'm just want to throw that out there.
13: Yep, and back. Uh, My name is Jarosław Lipczyk. I'm a journalist also from Poland. What I would like to to, to point is that um, uh, the multimedia is really great tool, but but, uh, uh, but from the perspective of Poland, uh, multimedia may be also uh, an obstruction. Uh, because it is it is easy to forget while being here that broadband is, uh, is 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 not a it's not a resource everyone has access to and watching movies on youtube is a pain at my hu- at my hu- at my home at my house because i uh, i have the fastest internet possible uh, and uh, and it's really slow so <laughs> so so when we when we create uh, uh, multimedia we have to we have to re- I, in, for certain certain target, uh, uh, we have to remember that uh, that uh, some message uh, uh, is uh, maybe maybe not simply received because because uh, to receive multimedia you need a modern fast computer and a good connection and it, it's hard in a lot of parts in the world.
14: Hi, uh, Michasifri again. I appreciate the the intervention that the gentleman in front of me made but I and I agree that a lot of what people do isn't necessarily journalism but I clearly we're more moved by sound and pictures than we are by words and if I could be 20 years younger and teach myself how to vlog as easily as I write I would it, it I'm feels te- a little going teach you right okay. after this. But but the uh I I think the best stuff will bubble up I mean I think it's great that lots of people are trying it and inevitably um, you know the definition of investigative journalism or, or any kind of journalism is telling us information that matters and to somebody something like this is going to matter you know the first investigative journalist was the guy who went into the cave for the tribe to make sure that there were no bears sleeping in the cave and you know if he came back, then they knew it was safe to go in. <laughs> um, and, you know, so news, I guess, is information that matters to somebody or some community, and we now have the ability to filter and find, and it's amazing how often something good bubbles up our way. I wouldn't worry so much about uh, whether or not it's of quality. We'll, the, the network will find it.
15: I think one of the <coughs> other things that you're seeing is uh, – this is Jason Calacanis again – Um, one of the other things that you're seeing is that um, these little chunks, when you look at them on their own, don't seem so important, but they're actually the building blocks of larger stories, so having been an old school journalist 10 years ago, back when you would build all these chunks in private, and then publish them, you know, this process has become transparent, where all the little pieces are, you know, sort of put out there, and then it's up to somebody to collect them, or a community to collect them, which you see happen with the Wikipedia when uh, Ken Lay died, you know, there was that whole it's a suicide, it's, we don't know it's a suicide, okay, he died of a heart attack. And you know that. And the same thing happened on Netscape with the news flowing up and down. These little chunks are put out there and corrected. It, it's more akin to sort of live TV, which means it's more error-prone, but it's quicker, and that's the trade-off that you're making. So I wouldn't discount the little chunks just because they don't tell the entire story. It's up to somebody to weave the narrative. Like your little piece could be part of a bigger narrative. How are we doing on time, Dan?
0: Nine
1: oh, okay. Uh, where are we? Out back. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I have mixed feelings about multimedia. Um, uh, I it certainly does has a place, and as Mika said, it you know, video can reach you emotionally in ways that that print often cannot, and but. A lot of times it seems to me to be a very inefficient way both of producing information for an audience and of getting information as an audience you know my, like just weather reports, for example, my wife used to wait until the right moment every night when she could watch the local um, you know weather report, so she basically had to plan herself in front of the t v long enough to sit through a few t v commercials until the weatherman finally came on and did his spiel now you can the fact that you can access video on the Internet without having to wait for that moment in a program to some degree helps, but it's still a very slow way of getting information compared to, for example, going to, you know, the, you know a, a website and where you can look up not just the local weather but weather any place in the country and, it's, and, and search for it. And, and um, it seems to me that the places where video works and where people like it on the internet and pass it around is usually because it's entertaining you know which may or may not have anything to do at all with its its news value like the the star wars kid videos were certainly entertaining but they weren't news and and so i think some kind of discussion or thought or awareness needs to exist about what the proper place of video is in all of this
0: uh, can I uh, exert organizer prerogative for one moment on that one? We should... Somebody said no, so... <laughs> I'm doing it anyway. Uh, one, one way to think about some of these things would be... as a, It's not necessarily uh, that people are going to be doing full productions, uh, news segments, but rather perhaps using uh, audio and video as illustrations. Of in part of something else, where it's a short clip that illustrates the larger thing, that feels to me like something any of us can do. Uh, and the the production values, while we want them to be as good as possible, if there, if, I, I'm more interested in authenticity. And just just a thought there. I mean, the, the the pan around the room, if I'm interviewing someone, could be like a reporter's notebook in part with what's there. Just just. I'm just sort of thinking out loud on that, but the the illustrative part of
16: multimedia feels like a really good way to do it with citizen media. Um, We've heard a lot now about mixing all these different resources that citizen reporters produce, and we've we've also heard about Creative Commons a couple of times. But, But I don't think it's been said clearly yet that Creative Commons is not Creative Commons, and I would like to encourage all of you who use the phrase under creative commons to stop doing that because it's not helpful. Under creative commons can mean that you prohibit commercial use, it can mean that you prohibit derivative works, it can mean <coughs> that you use the sampling license which is in some ways more restrictive than for use, it can mean that you use the developing nations license, that your content is only available in developing world. So it's, n- it's not a useful phrase, but please don't use it. So. Instead, I think we need to agree on a standard of freedom that is useful for citizen journalism. And and we can disagree about whether that should include commercial use or not, but we should at least be clear that the media we use are actually usable in a legal context.
8: Just a a quick one. I just wanted to add a question for the two Polish uh, gentlemen about uh, cell phones. I know that your bandwidth may be narrow for for broadband um, what about cell phones? What about video on cell phones for example or uh or multimedia in any form on cell phones
12: i well I mean it's just a personal <laughs> observation right I don't know any data about it people um we're sh- we're clearly behind in the technology diffusion curve right that must be obvious so but people do have mobile phones or cell phones you call them here right with um, photo cameras they they use them extensively um, they might appear on the web but I don't see anything significant happening to that I don't know if it answers um, your question if I can say generally I guess this is the the most Constructive thing that I get out of this bit of discussion that just Poland is a very different place and environment and at a different moment than the US, I guess. And th- we do have clearly differences with technological access, but please don't forget that I'm sure in the US there are a lot of places as well that are more like Poland than um, Harvard Law School in this room. <laughs> <laughs>
17: I just wanted to uh, ask whether or not when people use the word citizen, uh, and this relates to the Polish, uh, Frank Moretti from Columbia University, uh, relates to the Polish gentleman's comment, uh, whether it has anything to do with power, Uh, because usually when I discuss citizenship and and I teach social theory and political theory, you don't talk about citizenship absent the question of power and capacity to create change within your community. And there's a real divergence between the notion, and I work a lot with multimedia, but the notion that somehow these media are going to somehow lead to kind of empowerment when the power structure has actually diverged and gone in a different direction where we've reinforced l- forms of literacy as the way in which people get ahead in the world uh, even more conservatively than we did 20, 30, 40 years ago. So No Child Left Behind is really based on a kind of punishing commitment to basics. And, um, and I think probably if you did a poll of everyone in this room, you'd probably find out that everybody here already has in some way mastered the basics before they got involved in multimedia. So if, if somehow we're talking about emergent opinion and consensus coming out of communities, then it seems to me that uh, we really diverged from and need to pay attention to the way that our own interest in these media and these technologies have diverged radically from the way that people are really, uh, in a sense, enabled in our society because of the way the power structures created a pernicious system of testing and, and, and career paths.
18: I have sort of a oh, my name is Anne, I'm a computer science master's student in New York. I have a tools comment, which maybe is too simple, but maybe it would be helpful, is I found on videos I have a pretty good connection. I have cable modem, but it's not as fast apparently as a lot of other people's connections because a lot of things are slow even for me. And video is definitely one of the things I would love to see tools where Perhaps you could have a collage of photographs similar to the way they do on DVDs, right? That that would be the segment. And you could click the picture and get to that place really quickly. Or also, in reverse, we talked about tools of how to make the whole thing. In the Macintosh, I I don't have the software, but the newest Macs, I think, come with making movies from the pictures and the audio that you talk in. So that part's already there, but it doesn't enable you to put the chapter headings in, and output it into different formats that would be accessible in different ways. So I'd like to have it have the audio track is only one. You could podcast that. They do already have that. And then a way to put text, if we could have automatic transcribing, which is getting better, actually. A lot of the voice technology to text is working better. If that were good, I think a lot of things would change.
1: Okay, great, thanks. And then the last Dan, to
11: put a few things in perspective, first of all, those of us in the United States compared to uh, certain places like Korea, we feel the way you feel versus us. But if you put it in perspective, remember 10 years ago to have a JPEG, to have an image bigger than, you know, an inch by an inch was considered wasting a bandwidth, and we had to wait for it. So if you take a long-term perspective in terms of 10, 20 years, which is what we have to do here, we're talking about opening up all sorts of stuff, we have to look at that. And when also when you're thinking in terms of now we're able to actually record things that weren't recorded, <coughs> citizen journalism has been very important. If you take two examples of the, as Dan says, there's illustrative, this Zapruder film of President Kennedy being killed. Mm-hmm. A citizen happened to be using an 8mm camera and caught that. And we have Rodney King as another example where actually these things were important to the country in many ways, and they were done by individuals with stuff. So I think that, that we, we, you have to take the long-term perspective and also look that it's now going to mean that just because the, corp, the, the big media company's camera wasn't there doesn't mean that it isn't important. Now those things can become important and will be shareable, and even your part of the world will have it. Just like I assume you can look at JPEGs now, we couldn't look at them very well 10, 15 years ago. Yeah.
0: And uh, I think we just I want to expand on that one quick second, and that is that in Dealey Plaza in Dallas in 1963, one guy with an 8 millimeter camera. Uh, if that were today, there would be 1,000 people with phones and other kinds of cameras capturing it from all different angles. We might actually know whether there was someone on the grassy knoll. Um, and we should. And, and not only will they all have cameras in the future, but they'll all be connected to digital networks, which is a whole added thing. It gets very interesting. We are, I'm afraid, done for this session. Uh, and uh, lunch is upstairs in, uh, what's it called? Ropes Gray. Ropes Gray. And I want to thank Steve and all of you again. And we'll be back at 1.15 promptly. Thank you. And let's have a hand for Doc Searles, who is taking prodigious notes.